0: Good morning. Good morning. I am Deborah. I'm one of the team here at Highgrave, and it is fantastic to see you all. Um, to see the, yeah, the, the sort of the numbers swell as the morning goes on, it's really great. So you're really, uh, you're really welcome here this morning. We are continuing our our way of Jesus. Series looking at uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew chapters 4 to, to 7. I think it's amazing, it's amazing and yet entirely logical that the things which Jesus taught 2,000 years ago remain acutely relevant to our lives today. You know, Proverbs uh, tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and Ecclesiastes also tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. So uh, of of course, the the wisdom that Jesus shared would still be applicable to our lives today. But I think just the the relevance of the Bible uh, to to my life and our lives, um, I I still find astounding. I'm just going to uh, move the um, music stand a little bit. So just excuse me a second. This is my eyesight, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So today we have reached chapter seven. Uh, It's been quite a long series, hasn't it? We've we've really sort of uh, dug deep um, in in the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus teaches us in this chapter is so pertinent to our lives in 2022. Uh, Let's read from Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse uh, 1. This is where my eyesight is really tested. I'm going to stand a bit closer. Um, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces." So back in 2020. Can we remember back then? It's a bit painful, isn't it? We've just been watching a, a program, a sort of comedy program, and the last series was was, was sort of after, written after the pandemic, and it was sort of in a supermarket, and you sort of see uh, the queues and the, the empty shells and the stress, and it just all... Yeah, we, Ed didn't sleep very well the night after we watched that first episode. He, he had funny dreams. Um, <laughs> Back in 2020, it started with complaints of stockpilers emptying supermarket shelves uh, in early March. Oh, there we go. Yeah, do you remember? (gasps) And then developed further when lockdown eased in the summer. One journalist put it like this. It became harder to understand where the line lay between right and wrong, and even harder to gather via social media posts, gossip, and personal anecdotes on which side of this nebulous, self-determined line most people sat. From this uncertainty came one of the pandemic's only constants, judgment. Judgment, the way of Jesus, Jesus on judging. You know, being judgmental isn't a new phenomenon. It's not just, didn't just happen during the pandemic. As as today's verses tell us, it was clearly part of society 2,000 years ago, but it does feel like it's it's sort of gone to a new level during the pandemic. Perhaps you felt that annoyance uh, inside when someone has or hasn't worn a mask Uh, in a situation you would or wouldn't wear a mask. Perhaps people's caution has got your back up. Or perhaps other people's lack of caution has annoyed you. It's always been easy to judge others, but the temptation uh, has reached new heights. Jesus' first words here, do not judge or you too will be judged. Seems pretty black or white, doesn't it? It seems it's an unequivocal instruction not to judge other people. It's none of your business what other people do. So let, let live and let live. But then in verse 6, he goes on to say, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. But how do we know who is a, a dog or a pig if we don't exercise some judgment? And, and what about what Jesus said in Matthew 18? If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Surely that is, is judgment. And what about in a, in a court of law? Is it wrong to have judges or, or to have examiners in exams? They have to judge too. Are there, are there different types of judgment? Is it ever right to judge or criticize other people? And how should we be respond when we are criticized, when we are judged? What is the way of Jesus. That's what we're going to think about this morning for a few more minutes. So let's look at the passage a little bit more closely and see what the, the way of Jesus is. As always, we need to, uh, we need to take Jesus' teaching in, co- in context. Do not judge or you too will be judged is often taken out of context and therefore misunderstood. It's clear from the rest of Jesus' teaching that there's a right kind of judgment and a wrong kind. Of course, we need judges in courts of law to uh, to uphold the rule of law. As parents, teachers, coaches, mentors, we need to judge how people are doing and, and help them to improve. You know, the Bible encourages us to distinguish truth from lies. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to test everything. We need to make value judgments, to choose between different policies and plans. So there are good and right judgments we're called to make. What I believe that Jesus is talking about here when he says, do not judge, is about judgmental attitudes towards others the Greek word used in this context means to criticize to find fault to condemn the article I read from a moment ago goes on to to say this when I asked friends if they felt differently about anyone as a result of their behavior in the pandemic the vast majority told me their views were most dramatically and negatively changed Perhaps that's not surprising, given the difference in opinion over what or what isn't uh, acceptable, even even today. But interestingly, it, it wasn't people breaking the rules that these friends viewed negatively. Let's read the rest of the quote. It says, the vast majority told me their views were most dramatically and negatively changed in the case of people who were critical of others or who were hypocritical, hypocritical, such as shaming rule breakers while breaking the rules themselves. The friends who were surveyed had a negative view of critics and hypocrites, those who were being judgmental. The way of Jesus is don't be a Pharisee. Avoid judgmentalism. Jesus often spoke about the Pharisees, the the religious leaders in Israel at the time. In Luke 18, uh, some uh, of these are described as people who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Judgmentalism is not an attractive trait doesn't honor God and Jesus wants us to avoid it. So the way of Jesus, don't be a Pharisee, be a thermostat. Avoid finding fault. Jesus went on to say uh, in in verse 2, he said, uh, for in the same way as you judge others. You will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If we judge, we'll be judged with equal harshness by others. In the end, we'll, we'll create, create an, an environment around us of judgmentalism. Galatians 6 says, a man reaps what he sows if we sow an attitude of, of judgmentalism or criticism in the way that we speak or then in our, in our homes or our families or our friendship groups, our workplaces or our sports clubs or even our small groups, that those places are going to become judgmental and critical places to be. We know what it's like to be around a friend, who's always criticizing, always complaining or, or being cynical. Do you know that friend? Any Anybody? Anybody got a friend? Can you think of one? Can they come to mind? Let's not be that friend. Let's not be that friend ourselves. Let's not be the person who comes to other people's minds. But this verse is also referring to God judging us. With the standard that I am judging others, that's the standard by which I will be judged. When I measure others, that's the the same ruler that's going to be used for me. The standards you set are the standards that will be required of you. So it's best just to leave that area all alone. Leave it in God's hands. Let's be, clicker. Uh, let's be thermostats rather than thermometers. Thermometers just respond to the temperature around them, but thermostats set the temperature. They influence and change the environment around them. Let's be the one in our families who sets a positive tone. Let's be the person in our friendship group who who holds our tongues when others are complaining. Let's be the person at work who who doesn't join in with criticism of of the manager or of other staff or uh, or the customers or the government or society. the one in our sports club who speaks well of others when when they're not around. Let's be a thermostat and let our actions and our speech be motivated by love and mercy. Thirdly, that way of Jesus is to be a lover. The book of Lamentations tells us that God's mercies are new every morning. In the greatest act of mercy, God sent his son Jesus to make a way for every one who calls on him to be forgiven. If God treats us so wonderfully and mercifully, then we should do the same to others. We should be kind to people. I remember a time when I did some work for a lady there'd been some miscommunication, uh, which had meant we've both been sort of dissatisfied uh, with the, the whole experience. And I, I was very apologetic uh, about my part in the problem. But I felt like she could have been a bit, a little bit more gracious to me after it. And after I'd left her, I sort of made a, an unkind judgment about her, but then I later discovered that her husband was in hospital dying of cancer. Uh, And I felt terrible that I judged her without knowing all the facts. You know, a a quote you often see, be kind for everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Think there's a lot of wisdom in that. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is more important than lots of other gifts and skills we might have. So we might be correct in our assessment of a situation. We might be completely fair in what we say. We might be really persuasive in our words. But if we aren't motivated by love, then we failed. Then we failed. Finally, The way of Jesus is to learn to argue well. Learn to give and receive constructive criticism. Back to our passage again, verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, the things that we criticize in other people are often the things that are wrong with ourselves. I, I've heard it said that the splinter in the other person's eye is often from the same wood of the plank in our eye. Criticism it is, of others is often coming from a place of insecurity in our sp- ourselves. By speaking ill of someone else, we're building ourselves up. You know, if we're going to give constructive criticism, let's do it with humility. We need to check our attitude. Are we being a Pharisee or are we being, uh, are we being a thermostat for good by speaking positively? Is there some insecurity in us that's prompting our response? Are we speaking to someone rather than about them behind their back? Are we motivated by love? And what to do if we receive criticism it's hard to receive criticism isn't it i don't like it um you know some criticism is totally unwarranted and unfair and we should just choose to ignore that we we need to let it go and recognize it's more about what's happening with the other person than what's happening with us you know it's good to talk uh, to the critic to, to the person who's criticizing us if we have an opportunity to there's lots of techniques we, we can uh, use to, to learn to argue well to have a healthy and effective communication but as a priority let's not confront physically before we confront spiritually you know, in other words pray first. If someone criticizes you, hold your tongue, pray, and then respond. You know, there's a confrontation to be had, but it's in prayer. It's in prayer first. Let's not take things into our own hands uh, before we've prayed. But sometimes, even if the criticism wasn't communicated well or with the best intentions, sometimes is that there's a kernel of truth in it for us. I like uh, this quote. The biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. And Proverbs uh, 13, uh, 15 said, Those who heed correction gain understanding. You know, we need to be willing to properly hear the other person and humble enough to accept their views. Let's ask God to highlight the truth in the other person's criticism, but also to wash away anything that isn't truthful or helpful. So, the way of Jesus. Don't be a Pharisee. Be a thermostat. Be a lover and learn to argue well. You know, I recognize that each of these things are very easy to say. But much, much harder to do. You know, something of, of when we, that, that judgment that we, uh, we make of others is often so subtle and subconscious, isn't it? And it's really hard to recognize when we're doing it. But Jesus uh, showed us the way to love. He taught us the way to love. But he also sent his spirit to fill us and change us. We can ask the the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to bring conviction to our minds, as well as equip us to think and act differently. So we're going to pray now. So why don't you stand with me if you're able we're going to pray. We're just going to um, take some time just to, inter- just to uh, inc- uh, invite the Holy Spirit to-, to come. So, Lord, we say, we say, come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your words that taught us, for your life that showed us the way to live. But thank you that you also promise your spirit to live in us, to change us, to equip us. So Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Will you come now? We just wait for you for a moment. We wait for you. As we wait on you Lord will you soften our hearts will you quicken our consciences to recognize when we've had judgmental attitudes when we've been critical when we've been unfair when we've been hypocritical and we've pointed out that the, or thought about the speck in someone else's eye and completely ignored the plank in ours. Will you bring those things to mind now? And we say sorry. We repent. We want to be motivated by love. Increase our love. Jesus. James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. It's really good practice. It's something that we don't do very often uh, is confess our sins. We might confess our sins to God regularly, but confessing to others is something that is perhaps not part of our of our culture, but it's a really biblical practice, a really powerful practice. If there's something that you, some attitude that you want to break this morning, if there's a, uh, something that you feel that you, uh, yeah, you want to, to take, get, get sort of um, distance from this morning, then confessing it to others and being prayed for is a really great idea.